Nowadays, there's stuff, and there's stuff you don't need to know. A podcast that talks about geek and nerd culture and brings you the things that you want to hear about. That's Edward Cohen. He's totally gorgeous, obviously. But apparently nobody here is good enough for him. Like I care, you know? So, yeah. Seriously, like, don't waste your time. I wasn't planning on it. Okay, um, did you know Kuliuts are supposedly descended from wolves? What? Like wolves? Yeah. Like real wolves? Well, uh, that's a legend of our tribe. Chief Swan, I want to formally introduce myself. I'm Edward Cohen. Hi, Edward. Bella won't be out too late tonight. She's just going to play baseball with my family. Baseball? Yes, sir, that's the plan. <laughs> Bella's going to play baseball. Good luck with that. I'll take good care of her, I promise. Hey. Still got that pepper spray? Do you remember how much you wanted to be around me three days ago? That's gone now, right? Long gone. Because it was her. From the beginning, it was Nessie who wanted me there. Nessie? You nicknamed my daughter after the Loch Ness Monster?! What's up, know-it-alls? You got stuff you don't need to know. I'm Jay. Let's get down to it. So it is still October. Halloween is right around the corner. Probably a good time to start talking about some scary movies. Maybe a scary movie franchise. I'm sure when you think of Halloween, you think of scary movies. You got your Wolfman, your Mummy, uh, your Frankenstein. But no. Today we're going to be talking about a, a film saga dealing with vampires. And you want to know what makes it really scary? It was written by a Mormon woman. Yep, we're going to be talking about the Twilight Saga. When I say we, I mean, i got to bring in some help here. So I have noted literary historian and vampireologist, my own daughter, Cassie. Cassie, you ready to talk some Twilight? I'm ready. I'm, I'm excited. Okay, so the reason that we're talking about the Twilight Saga is we just got done pretty much watching all five movies at... Cassie's request. So Cassie, that, that's 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 to to kind of quote one of my favorite vines out there. Why? Why did why did we watch this? Why did you want to watch Twilight? Um, I have a friend, um, and she she loves Twilight. She just she posts about it on her story all the time. So many Twilight memes, and I'm like, you know what? This seems really fun. Like knowing what these memes are about seems really fun. I wanna I wanna be in on the joke. And then the night I wanted to watch Twilight. I was in class and like all of us just started talking about Twilight. I'm like, you know what? It's a sign. It's a sign that I need to watch all five movies. Okay. And, you know, I'm just going to do full disclosure here. So when these books first came out, when they were probably on about the second or third book, I was sort of like, well, let me see what all the hubbub's about. And I picked up Twilight and I read it and I was like, all right, not bad. Uh, I can see why they want to make it a movie. I don't really think they should, but uh, I kind of read all four books for the heck of it. 
I mean, they were pretty decent. Uh, you know, they, they passed the time and everything. So what was sort of your going into, because you didn't read the books at all. Uh, actually, you were telling me earlier, and you don't have to say the teacher's name, but one of your teachers actually discouraged you guys from reading the Twilight Saga. Is that correct? Yeah, my fifth grade teacher. Um, but we had kids in the class that were like, oh, we want to read Twilight. And she says, I don't think Twilight is appropriate for you guys. And now that I've seen the movies, I know what she was talking about. <laughs> so definitely some good advice there. So what was sort of your preconceived notions going into Twilight? Like, like what was sort of your mindset? Um, I mean, I was 12 in like 2013. So, you know, that whole era of like, oh man, Twilight's the worst. Twilight sucks. It's the worst. So I, I, I used to be very much one of those people. Mm-hmm. But then when my friends started showing all these memes, I'm like, this just looks like a really silly movie franchise, and that's exactly what it is. It's like one of the most fun you're going to have watching a series of movies. It, it just is. <laughs> okay, so I guess I need to say this up top, I mean, for this movie and book franchise that's kind of like, I guess, almost a decade old by now. Uh, spoiler alert. Okay, I mean, we're not going to go movie by movie. We're not going to discuss the entire plot, but I mean, we're going to discuss some things that happen in all four films. I think a good place to start is, you know, let's let's sort of look at let's look at the characters first. Um, and of course, you know, there's the big three of you know Jacob, Edward, and Bella. We'll kind of save them for last. So let's kind of start off uh, with a fun look at some of the human characters because in Twilight, the first movie, we start meeting some human characters out there. So you know, just real quick, in case you don't know, uh, Isabella Swan, who prefers to be called Bella, moves from sunny Phoenix all the way up to Forks, Washington. Uh, to live with her dad, Charlie, and uh, gets enrolled in Forks High School. So here, you know, right off the bat, you know, we meet uh, her mom, uh, Renee. Uh, maybe we'll talk about her a little bit. But we meet her dad, Charlie, and we meet some of her classmates. So I think, you know, let's start Let's start with some of the classmates. So, uh, you know, there was a guy, Mike Newton, and there was another guy, Eric, and, of course, there was Jessica, played by Anna Kendrick. Kind of, you know, this is, this is really kind of where you get introduced to this film franchise what do you think of these guys i think i think they're the perfect opening for what's about to come because you show up and then eric just has he just has like a what is it i don't even know but he just shows up he's like hey bella and then he's just like can i document you for the school newspaper and then she goes no and he goes i will anyway and that's that's it that's the whole series yeah, I mean, he's the one, too, when he sees her in the lunchroom, he's like, Bella, 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 homegirl, what's up? Uh, the other one she meets is Mike, Mike Newton, who, I mean, did you know guys like Mike Newton in high school? Or did you see guys like Mike Newton in high school? Yeah, there were. There were guys like Mike Newton in high school. One comes to mind. I won't say his name, obviously, but yeah, one, one <laughs> does come to mind. So, Mike, well, how would you, how would you classify... Mike Newton or a Mike Newton. Uh, I mean, he wasn't. He's a tryhard. Oh, okay. Uh, and yeah, you're going to need to define that first. A tryhard. a tryhard is like somebody who isn't really particularly good at what they're doing, but they just put so much effort into it to the point where it's not endearing. It's just sad. Yeah, and I mean, you know, one of the early scenes is is uh, when 
I guess it's like the first time Bella experiences rainy Pacific Northwest, and he's there shaking his little rain hat over her head. Yeah. You know. <laughs> How about that rain, girl? How about that rain, girl? What's up? What's up? Um, I think another really important human character that we get introduced to here, uh, it, Bella's dad, Charlie. Oh. You, you, uh, tell tell us about you and Charlie. Charlie has, like, like, my fields are fertile, like, my skin is clear, like, like everything is perfect. Because Charlie, he's just, he's, he's such an amazing dad. Because Charlie honestly cares about Bella. He's not, like, heavy-handed. He doesn't try to be, like, weird and, like, over-relate to her. Like, he kind of... He understands her dynamic, and he kind of plays into it. But he's still very much present for Bella. And I think... And he ultimately wants what's best for her. And I think that's that, that's what I love about him. And I think, like, a really... You know, it, it kind of almost seemed like a silly scene or maybe even something cheesy is when they're in the diner and he's sort of apologizes to her like you know i don't spend enough time with you and she sort of says you know it's okay i like being alone i get that from you and there's kind of a bit of a pause i mean i actually thought that was a pretty nice bonding moment you know for her to really like she wasn't trying to dismiss him to like just say that to get you know so she could sneak out of the house or something i think she really meant it you know they really are very much alike um, so some other characters that we get introduced to is, so in the town of Forks, uh, it's very close to the reservation for, um, the Native American tribe, the Quileutes, which is an actual tribe up in the Pacific Northwest. Uh, there are, they are a very small tribe and, you know, kind of, you know, I, I had always been curious, some of the, some of the myths that you do hear, you know, about the wolves and there's like another one too. They kind of have their own sort of creation story, which is more touched on in the books than here in the movies. Um, it was actually nice to kind of see that. I guess Stephanie Meyer actually did kind of reference a lot of that, but we get introduced to, uh, Billy Black, who is the father of, uh, Jacob. Uh, we get to introduce to Harry Clearwater in, uh, the second movie, uh, who's Charlie's best friend, really. What did you actually, you know, before we really kind of get deeper into it, how did you feel that the Quileutes and and just Native American culture in general was represented in these films? Um, I I don't feel that Stephanie Meyer did a very good job at points mm-hmm. because, um, especially when um, they're um, in the third movie. It's a third, I believe, it's the third movie. They're having their little meeting, and then they're telling um, – um, Jacob's dad is telling them the story about, like, one of the old, like, leaders of the tribe. And then Bella Be- Bella just shows up, and she's invited in. And then I kind of saw that as, like, oh, like, Stephanie Meyer kind of feeling excluded by, like, you know, like, indigenous culture and kind of self-inserting herself into it to kind of, like – I don't know. It's okay. Just, I, I kind of, I felt that that was a little weird. Um, there, there are just moments like that throughout the movies. It, it does make me a little uncomfortable, okay. but not, it's not disastrous, I would say. I, I mean, I kind of, I kind of took that scene, you know, because, you know, when Jacob says, yeah, you know, you're invited. It's like the telling of tales. And Bella does kind of say, like, should I be here? And he's like, no, it's cool. You're with me or you're invited. I kind of took it to mean that they 
because they basically tell sort of the origin of the wolves uh, again spoiler alert you know the, the they're they're the wolves um and the, the vampires the cold ones and you know i kind of took it that they were really trying to i don't want to say war- just really kind of let bella know what she's in for i kind of took it like that but i also see i also see the point too you know um with the way you kind of interpreted it there so yeah, we kind of talked about some of the humans. And again, before we talk about the main characters, we got to talk about the vampires in this film. Yes. The Cullen family. Uh, of course, we're going to save Edward for, for later. But uh, what do you think of them Cullens? <laughs> um, some I like more than others. Sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, in the first two movies, uh, I'll talk about one of my favorites early on. Um. Jasper, Jasper, right? Jasper. Mm-hmm. Jasper was one of my favorites early on because he was just so weird and odd and goofy that I really, I really liked him. But then in the third movie, you get you get a little um, a surprise that um, Jasper was actually uh, a Confederate general like back in the day, and I mm-hmm. was like, oh, that was that was a weird choice. So I kind of hopped off the Jasper train, <laughs> and um, you have. Um, Rosalie, yes, who has, who um, Rosalie, who 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 is a pro-lifer, a staunch pro-lifer. So that was that was an odd choice, but again, Stephanie Meyer is Mormon, so you could see it kind of seeping in. And um, really, um, I liked I liked Emmett. Emmett became my favorite later on. After because because I needed somebody to replace Jasper and Emmett was there he was waiting for me and I was like I got you I see you you, you can't not like Emmett I mean uh, in the second movie when they're celebrating Bella's birthday uh, <laughs> even though all of them are like a hundred plus years old I guess technically uh, Edward was turned at seventeen yeah. and Bella was turning eighteen and he's got the great line there of dating an older woman hot I mean he's just he's like. Emmett's like that big brother. He's just like the, the total big brother. But uh, some more of the Cullens there. Uh, tell, tell us some more what you thought. Um, Emmett really, Alice. Alice, I can kind of see what they were going for. Where it's just, where, where, where she's like, oh, like she's a little detached because she can see everybody's futures. But she just came across as like being quirky. So I didn't really hop on the Alice train mm-hmm. as much. But then we got Carlisle. Carlisle, I I love Carlisle so much. He is like, he 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 is he is equivalent to like Charlie. Okay. Where it's just he he is like a good dad. He just wants what's best for all of his children. He wants all of his children to be happy. And I think and and it's also good because he doesn't drink human blood, so that's a plus. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of the big thing here is that uh, the Cullen family, and we go on to find out later on there are some others uh, that also practice this. They don't drink human blood. They hunt animals and, you know, and while they say that it doesn't keep you as strong as drinking human blood, it's still, it's enough to, to sort of satisfy it. But you do see even within the Cullen family, especially I think it's with Jasper, who's kind of one of the newer converts to what they call vegetarianism. Um, yeah, Carlisle, because Carlisle's a doctor and he has no problems around blood whatsoever. Uh, it's kind of funny that we, we talk all about the Cullens and you forgot one because uh, I guess they're pretty Esme. forgettable. <laughs> yeah, Esme the mom, yeah. And I mean, in the 
books, there wasn't really much about her, and I think there was even less in the movies. For for like for how much Stephanie Meyer loves motherhood, she doesn't really uh, give a lot of characterizations to the mothers themselves, which I'm uh, very reflective of her pro-life beliefs, I have to say. I mean, that's true because, you know, this is actually, this is like a very, I guess, dad-heavy storytelling with Charlie and Carlisle, and Esme is seen and not heard, and Renee, uh, Bella's mom, is barely seen and heard um yeah it's a pretty interesting choice there Alrighty, so let's jump into the big three here you got edward you got bella and you have jacob um let's start with jacob what were some of your thoughts on jacob because i know it kind of fluctuated as the series went on jake jacob started jacob started as a 10 he started as a 10 like cinnamon roll too pure for this world but I, I, at a certain point in New Moon, he just dropped all the way from a 10 to a 2. Honestly, it was just... Mm-hmm. Because it started off, he was really sweet, and he was Bella's best friend. And like, oh, he's starting to have a crush on her because they're so close. And I thought, oh, that's sweet. And it's going to be so sad when they don't get together. Because at that point, I knew that Ella, Ella Edward and Bella get married. <laughs> um, so then... Um, I was like, oh, it's going to happen. But then Jacob just starts acting real creepy and starts like there were a few times where he kisses Bella where he doesn't like get her permission. And it's just he starts acting very possessive over Bella. And I just didn't like it, Mm -hmm. Um, which which is which is hard because when Bella comes to him and she's just like, I'm going to be a vampire. In, like, three months, I'm going to be a vampire. And Jacob rebuttals with the very valid point of, you're only 18, you, you've, you've barely lived, how do you know this is what you want to do for the rest of eternity? Mm-hmm. And then he ends it by saying, because I, he just ends it by saying, I want you. Like, I want you. And I was just like, oh, Jacob, like, is, is now really the time? <laughs> is ever really the time? I don't know, but... Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, he had a good, he, he started to have a good approach, uh, but he didn't stick the landing definitely on that. Uh, okay, so, you know, the big conflict uh, for Bella's heart is between Jacob and Edward. So, Edward Cullen, give us give us your take. Um, <laughs> just, just from all the memes... I just like, oh, well, Edward really loves Jesus, but then, like, it's just, that's just in the memes. That is just in the memes. But then, um, uh, I don't know, Edward, Edward can kind of be a little extreme, and this is kind of where it ties back in to why I could see my fifth grade teacher not wanting us to read it, because in New Moon, mm-hmm. Edward goes, Bella, if anything happened to you, I would kill myself. And I was like, Hold on, Bella's gonna stop him and be like, "That's don't even say that." That's what she's gonna say, right? But Bella says, "No, Edward, I would kill myself too." And I was like, "Whoa, like stop! Like this is this is a problem." Like they sh- like I said when we were watching this, I was like, "They showed that to children." I was so surprised, and that and really just those two things, like Edward wanting to save himself for marriage, and that comment about if anything happened to Bella. Those are really the only two things that stand out to me about Edward because they're just they're just so potent, even mm-hmm. though that's not entirely what his character is. 
I get. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that's that's very true. It, it was. Yeah, new new moon. New moon. New moon yeah. yeah, they really took that one, and I even remember reading it. I was just like. Because here, I mean, here's the here's the big thing, you know. Before we get into Bella, is okay on the surface, you know, Bella's seventeen, going on eighteen. Edward appears to be seventeen, eighteen years old. Edward says he's like a hundred and nine years old. Oh, forgot about that part. Where I mean, at one point when I was reading, I don't re- even remember which book or whatever. At one point, and you know, pretty much in the movie when he said that, like you know. When she's like, uh, you know, how old are you? And he says 17. And she goes, well, how, how long have you been 17? And he's like, I'm 100 and whatever. I'm 109 years old. I was like, well, what do these guys have in common? You know, what does somebody who is an immortal who, you know, and there's a lot of different vampire mythology out there. And in the Twilight sort of vampire mythology, they never sleep. They, you know, I mean, this guy has really been... He's doing double time. Pretty much. It's, it's, you, you, what's in common? Like, what's the, where's the, the, and again, with them repeating high school over and over as they move around, you That's, know. That's, that is, that is a horrible existence, having to go through high school forever. Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, at some point, they just got to say, like, uh, why, why don't we just find, like, a really quiet corner of the world and just, you know, do whatever. I, I I don't know. It's it's go ahead. It's even harder because the vampires don't relate to the humans. They mm-hmm. just kind of, like they have their own lunch table and they have their own little clique. So it's not like they're out there making friends. And Edward's like, my life is enriched through the friends I make. Like that's not even it. He just he just hangs out by himself. So what kind of existence is that? <laughs> I mean, in the second movie, when, you know, it's Edward and Bella are dating now. Oh, he does become friends with Eric and Mike. and. But it, it was just weird when they were at the lunch table, you know, it's Edward and Bella and Jasper and Alice. I'm just like, okay, they were known as sort of like the weird kids that... That were... All step siblings, but were dating. So that's a weird stigma. That's like one of those... That's, 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 <laughs> yeah, you know, they they live in some mysterious house on the outskirts of town. And yes, Carlisle is like the town doctor and everybody loves him. And it's even sort of applied in the book, too, because he's a handsome guy. So, of course, you know, the ladies like Dr. Dr. Cullen. Um, but I was just like, yeah, where where's the where's the connection there? It just it just I mean, OK. Pretty much one of the big main, you know, throughs or, 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 you know, stories here is, you know, the old Team Edward versus Team Jacob thing. You know, in your mind, like, do you think it ended the right... I mean, granted, the way they were really steering the story, she was going to become a vampire and everything. But do you think it ended the right way? Um, I don't, I don't really know because honestly, like... In, like, if this were, like, real life, I don't know, like, I guess, just, just, just roll with me on this one. Go ahead. Like, if this were, like, if, if I wanted it to happen, like, ideally, mm-hmm. it would be, it would be that, like, Bella would kind of go along with Edward, 
and Jacob wouldn't become like a creep. Okay. He would still be like the best friend, but he likes Bella. And then, like, towards the end, Bella realizes, like, no, I don't want to be a vampire, but Edward, you're still important to me. And then she goes to be with Jacob. Like, that's ideally how I would... If I were to write Twilight, that's how mm-hmm. I would do it. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it's it's just an odd direction to go, especially when you get into the fourth movie where there's, like, like she has, like, a baby that's trying to kill her while she's pregnant, and it's just... Yeah, yeah, it's... it's and I think for me also too, you know, saying where's the connection between the two of them? How could somebody with a hundred years of of life experience, I mean, not for nothing, relate to? I hate to say it, like a dopey teenager, you know, having having just experienced so many things, and I just didn't. I don't know. It was. It was kind of hard but what about Bella's and I guess let's just start talking about Bella here what about Bella's just instant of I, I just want to be a vampire like you know what what was sort of your take on that just like no hesitation no nothing like yeah I want to be a vampire there's there's like no there's no thought to it almost um yeah it was just because I thought they were going to do something I watched the movies knowing how they ended Mm-hmm. Because everybody talked about Renezme and the CGI baby and like <laughs> every everybody talked about it, so I knew. So then watching this I thought, wow, it would have been like a good direction for Bella to understand that being mortal is good. Like that's kind of where I would have wanted the lesson to go, but instead it's about being a mother question mark? And I don't really Yeah. Yeah, because when when she goes to Jacob and says, you know, hey, it's a done deal, you know, three months I'm going to be a vampire. And he, you know, like you said, brings up that valid point. Like you're 18, you haven't even lived. How do you know? There's just like no hesitation. It's almost like, you know, why are you asking me such a stupid question, Jacob? Like it's, I, it, it just seems weird. But we're talking about Bella now. So what was sort of your take on the character of Bella Swan? Um... Yeah, uh, I'm not so sure, because Bella just kind of felt like she was along for the ride, and that's really all I could say. Yeah, that's really, it's very true. I mean, it's true these movies and story really revolve around her, and she does the narration for, for the films and everything, so it's supposed to be her story, but it's... I mean, I, I didn't know. What, what, I mean, what do you think they're trying to do? Like, she's just awkward and doesn't fit in, but she fits in with vampires. I, I, I couldn't tell. Yeah, it was definitely odd, especially, especially where she kind of said, like, "Oh, I have always felt, I've always felt disconnected and never really like I was experiencing things." And especially since her vampire power came in before she was a vampire, it's kind of like she was destined. Sorry, it was she was destined to be a vampire. Yeah, which okay. So now, as we know, Stephanie Meyer, who wrote this, is a Mormon. And while we were watching these, you know, I remember like when I had read them, and then you know saw a couple of these movies with your mom, and knowing that in the back of my mind, and I kept thinking, why would a Mormon write a book about vampires? But as we were watching them, you really kind of showed how she was using almost vampirism as sort of like, you know, hey, kids, 
join the church. Join the church. So, yeah, how, how does, you know, religion play into Twilight? Because there's no, we don't see anybody going to church. Charlie doesn't take her to church. There's no anything like that. So how, how does, like, her, Stephanie Myers religious values factor into a vampire story. I kind of saw it as like, especially since they called new vampires newborns, it kind of like gave me the idea of like, oh, like the born again oh, Christian. okay, born again, okay. And it's like Bella has been living like this, like, I don't know what other word you were to use, but like this secular life mm-hmm. and she's not satisfied with it. And then all of a sudden, this this group who has been cast aside and they're called weird and they're called all of these things, like Mormons are sometimes called. Um, she finds them and she really fits in. But she needs to, like, be bitten, which I kind of saw as a baptism metaphor. Mm-hmm. And once she's a part of the family, or, like, it's a metaphor, doing like a church, she feels included. And that's kind of where I saw it. That That's where I kind of saw the church metaphor coming in. And it gets really heavy-handed, especially with... Um, uh, the the when 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 Bella is pregnant, where mm-hmm. um where like she's pregnant and then like the it, there there's a big discussion where they're like everybody's like oh well the fetus is killing her she needs she she basically needs to have an abortion mm-hmm. and Rosalie comes in and she says it's a baby you can't kill the baby say give it a name it's a baby and it's like it's fine if somebody. You know, it it's it's fine if somebody would want to you know carry a pregnancy to term if they weren't ready to have a child. Like that's fine. That's that's part of the choice. But it's just very heavy handed that it's the only choice is what I'm saying that's presented in the movie. So it comes as a very pro life. Yeah, and the whole thing with 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 that, and you know, when Bella finds out that she's pregnant because. You know, and one of the other things, too, that you pointed out was like, oh, this is really, you know, a whole religious thing is in the first or second movie, probably the, the first one when, um, yeah, Edward just, you know, stalks her and he appears in her room. Oh, that was scary. Yeah. That was a little creepy. Um, and, you know, Bella starts to, you know, teenagers, hey, hot guy in my bedroom here. And he's like... It's, you know, Edward backs off with the, of like, well, I can't control myself and I don't want to hurt you sort of a thing. And then later on, it's like, well, I'm from a different time because, you know, he was Carlisle turned him during um, the Spanish Spanish flu, flu, which was like 1918 around there. So it's like I come from a different time and this and that and I would court a girl. So it's sort of like, yeah, those values are coming in. It's like, you know, we're not going to have, you know, premarital relations, you know. Yeah. You have to, you know. We need to get married for, he says, not even, it doesn't even extend to a metaphor of you need to be a vampire first. He says we need to be married first. But then they also kind of throw that in there too when Bella wants to, you know, be a vampire and he's like, well, I'm not going to turn you, you know, into a monster like me. And when she finally wears him down, like that was sort of the caveat. Fine. I will make you a vampire, but you have to marry me. Which, again, brought that up, you know, and there's that meme of it. It's like, Bella has no problem with blood-sucking vampires. 
but has a big problem with the institution of marriage. Oh, wow. But there's like, there's also kind of a secondary story going on here, which I guess is really deals more with sort of the vampire culture in this world. Um, In the first, in the first movie, Twilight, uh, there's a group of nomads that come through um, Laurent, James, and Victoria. Uh, Victoria. Oh, I, yeah. And when they discover Bella there, James is like this, like his ability or thing is like tracking and he loves the hunt. And he basically wants to hunt Bella down. Not so much because she's a challenge, but since Edward protected her, it's sort of like, I'll kill his mate, and then he's going to come after me, and this will be, like, my greatest hunt of all time or yeah. whatever. So because the Cullens, you know, thwart that, they destroy James, uh, Victoria wants revenge, and then we learn about the Volturi, who sort of oversee all the vampires. They're sort of like the law. Yeah. What, what I mean, what did you kind of think of that, um, you know, the way they just – Take out all the religious aspects and everything, but the way they portray vampires and sort of this vampire culture with, you know, nomads and different families and the Volturi. Interesting, not interesting. What was kind of your take on it? I thought it was really interesting because um, I like this idea of like a vampire aristocracy, but they're like a loose aristocracy. And I kind of like the idea where some vampires like to stay in one place and kind of like have their own little territory and others move from place to place. And then it was just, it was very interesting and seeing that, and especially in um, Breaking Dawn where you get to see the other vampire families and how they relate to the world around them and Mm -hmm. all of their unique powers. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. I mean, one of, one of the vampires was the avatar. Oh yeah. Rami Malek was, (laughs) he was the avatar. He, he, he would only, Earth bend, water bend, and I think he fire bent once, but you know. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. Okay, so you know, let's let's kind of talk about the overall look of these movies because there was a huge difference in the cinematography and the direction from Twilight through the rest of the film. So when you first watched Twilight, just as a movie in general, what was your impression of that one? <laughs> it's very blue. <laughs> like the 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 it's like tinted with like a blue over like like an overlay and i really liked it you I did really like it I you did like it overlay it was so comforting it was very it was very like it was very gothic mm-hmm. and it was just i would have liked to see it kept throughout the rest of the movies but other than that though i mean oh it's very cheaply made they threw that together mm. Yeah, I, I really think it was like, hey, the kids love these books. Let's capitalize on it. Um, I don't know because I don't know. I, obviously, this it's not the same director for all. Excuse me for all five films. Um, I don't know if they kind of did, you know, a different director per film or or how they really did it. But we, you know, we kind of noticed a big difference in direction from Twilight with the rest of the films. Like it was just. And I think we kind of said this, you know, if you looked, if all you knew about Robert Pattinson and um, Kristen Stewart Stewart was Twilight, like, what would you think of their performances? Um, I would just think that they were like another, that they were just teen actors. And I said, like, you know, they, 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 they did about as good a job as a lot of teen actors do. And, you know, they, they just got a bad script. They got a bad 
director, and I don't know if they'll get a part after this. That's what I would have said. So by the time this series wrapped up, the three main actors, you know, and Taylor Lautner thrown in there, what was sort of your, what is sort of your takeaway on how you view the three of them as actors by the time we got done with the fifth film? Um, I, Robert Pattinson, I think is the strongest actor out of all of them. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, I, I really like Robert Pattinson. It makes me see like, oh, maybe I should watch some other Robert Pattinson movies, like The Lighthouse or something. And then um, uh, Taylor, Taylor Lautner, actually, I actually, I actually like Taylor. You did Lautner. like him, yes. I'm embarrassed. To, I'm embarrassed to admit it, but I like Taylor Lautner. I feel like Ben Wyatt saying I like Jerry Gergich. Like that's that's <laughs> honestly how I feel. But I think Taylor Lautner is a good actor, and of course, I love Kristen Stewart. All my heart, I love her. Just mm, amazing. Yeah, definitely. Um, having really only kind of remembered the first movie, I was sort of like, how does this girl keep getting parts? Because she is not good. But yeah, it's clearly the direction. You could see in the first film, it was they were given no guidance, no direction on how to act and, and sort of the feel of the scene. And, you know, yeah. yeah, you know, you have a theater background, you know, just like, you know, Miss Darvis from High School Musical. You know, your background is the theater. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you even said it. It's it's sort of like they, they have no idea what they're doing in these scenes in, in the first movie. Yeah. Um, so... Overall, you know, you kind of went in with, ah, this is, you know, a meme-worthy film and this and that, or meme-worthy saga. Um, By the time you were done, you know, you went in with one impression. What was your impression of the saga as a whole when everything wrapped up? I just want to say I cried at the end of Breaking Dawn Part 2. I cried. Yes. When, when, when Bella, I'm crying right now, when Bella drops her shield and she lets Edward into her mind and it's just them through all the movies, I started tearing up. I felt like, I felt like I was 12 again and I was like, oh, I just want somebody to whisk me away like Edward. And then like, <laughs> it, it got me. The formula still works even to this day. And then when they roll the credits and every actor, even Mr. Molina, Mr. Molina gets highlighted in the final credits of Twilight. It made me cry. It felt like I just finished this journey. And just, yeah. Yeah, no, that that really was good. I, I really think it started off very, very weak. And, you know, granted, the last film was not the best film. Yeah. But the way they did wrap everything up was very, very good. I can't believe I forgot to ask about this, but I guess let's just ask about it now. Renezme and the CGI baby. <laughs> oh, that is when the baby first came on, I couldn't look at it. It, it was, was creepy. Scary. It was creepy to see a baby with teeth. Yeah. Giving you like like emoting, basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, that will also lead us into something that... Uh, oh, I forgot about this. Yeah, and I mean, they tried to really describe it in the books, and I think no matter how you try to describe it, it's just imprinting. Jacob imprinting on Renezme as a baby. It just, was... Go ahead. It was... I just thought... I, I knew it happened, because everybody was talking about it when the movie came out, but just... Seeing it happen, I was like, I, I was like, no, I think there's an explanation. He doesn't really fall in love with the baby. He just protects it. But no, he, he falls in love with the baby. There's no, like, granted he protects it. 
he he would protect the baby for about three years, but once that baby's full grown, he says he's gonna fall in love with it. So it's just even then, the Jacob is still like much older than the I don't want it. Oh god. It's still very unusual. Yeah, it's 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 definitely unusual, but I have to say a very sort of nice little side thing about the imprinting and the fact that, you know, Jacob is now sort of like the protective big brother that really looks out for her and everything. He he gives Renesme the best nickname of all time. Oh, Nessie after the Loch Ness monster. That's right. That was just one of my favorite scenes when you know, Bella sort of finds out that he imprinted, and I don't forget like exactly what he says. But he's like, "Well, Nessie," and she's like, "You named my child after the Loch Ness monster," and throws him like she throws him <laughs> off like the roof or something. <laughs> throws him off the roof or wherever they were. I mean, that was actually a really good scene. And then it's like Edward. He's like, "Ah, he can handle it." <laughs> he's he's enjoying it. So. Looking back on all five films, how would you kind of rank them, uh, you know, best to worst? What, what, what's sort of your ranking here? Um, my favorite, I'll just say my f- favorite movies to watch. Mm-hmm. My favorite movie to watch would probably be New Moon. Okay. Then Eclipse, mm-hmm. then Twilight, then Breaking Dawn 1, then Breaking Dawn 2. Okay. All right, that's, that's, that's a pretty fair assessment. Uh, before we wrap things up, I don't know, any final thoughts on Twilight or any of the actors or just anything in general dealing with this saga? Nah, just look up the memes, I guess. Yeah, definitely. And for somebody... All right, so for somebody who's listening to this and is like, you know, I never watched Twilight and I'm probably never going to watch it, what would you what would you say to somebody like that? It's It's not what you think. It's not... It's not like a girly teen movie where it's like, oh my god, Edward's so cute. Like it's not, it's not. I say girly teen. I'm a girl, but it's just like, <laughs> it's like it's not like that. It's they're they're really they have a heart to them, and if you can't find or appreciate the heart, you'll appreciate all the fun laughing at them. That's what I'd say. And you know, having read the books, and again, huh, spoilers, I guess. Uh, you know, the the ending of the book and movie in terms of how they deal with the Volturi when they come to basically like, ah, we're coming to kill all the Collins um, is very different, you know. And when I had read the book, I like I I appreciated it in the book where they have a discussion and it's like, you know, this is not an immortal child. This is really what Renesmee is all about. And oh, wow, you're really being political here. You're going to wipe us out no matter what. And there's. Uh, a whole, you know, with the Volturi having their witnesses and kind of putting Arrow in a point where it's like, uh, you know, if you kind of go through with what you want to go through, you look bad. So you're going to have to kind of bite the bullet and let us live to save face. I was sort of like, wow, this is great on the page, but how's this going to translate in a movie? <laughs> and the the way they handled that final battle was actually, I was sort of... I was invested. Yeah. Right up until it started, I was like, this is dumb because it's a fake fight. But when the first victim was Carlisle... Oh, I lost it when Carlisle died. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that was... that was Okay, so just quick question. Better dad, Charlie or Carlisle? Charlie. Charlie. Okay. Okay. I mean, Carlisle is a great dad. Uh, But, yeah, Charlie. 
Charlie. Charlie. Charlie. And I think you're right. Charlie didn't try to be anything that he was. And Charlie is the, he's the town sheriff or uh, uh, chief of police. Uh, he likes fishing. He likes beer. He likes watching baseball and hanging out with his friend Harry, uh, who dies and then he starts dating Harry's wife. <laughs> yeah, that's a little weird, Charlie. <laughs> but that doesn't, has nothing to do with him being a dad, so. <laughs> It's not. It's not on the criteria. They they did kind of rush that and just like, oh hey, by the way, he's he's <laughs> he's with Sue Clearwater now. It's 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 transitioned a lot better in the book. So I kind of felt like you know we all want good things for Charlie. <laughs> Alrighty, so I think that was a lot of fun. I definitely agree with Cassie. If you've never seen these films, they're they're come on, they're on Hulu. They're really not that bad to watch and get through. It's the, the first movie is eh, it's a little tough, but it's not that bad. And I think by the end, you'll really, really enjoy yourself. So, guys, do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Stuff you don't need to know is there. I post pictures about the content that I talk about. Know it all. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah.